Hola Conchitas, welcome back to the Subconscious Podcast. Grab your cafe, tea, or chocolate de abuelita, and don't forget your conchas because we have a whole new episode for you this week. I'm your host, Stephanie Cortez. And I'm your other host, Evelyn Salazar. And this is episode 13 of season two. This week, we have a very special guest, my sister, Princess Salazar. Yes, people, her name really is Princess. <laughs> in this episode, we have Princess talk to us about her role as a transitional planner and aftercare specialist while working in a boys' home and also discuss the importance of mental health. We hope you enjoy and learn something in this episode. Princess Salazar is 23 years old. She is a transitional planner and aftercare specialist, West High alumni, and my sister. She's a huge advocate for mental health and how to give yourself a healthy environment. Okay, Princess, so before we get started, we have a fun question for you. Uh, this will be an interesting one. What's your favorite and least favorite thing about having siblings or growing up with siblings? I'm intrigued to know. I think my favorite thing about having siblings is you're kind of already bonded and become a friendship, I guess. You're, they're kind of your first best friends. I think you could say, um, you know, they're just always there. I think that they can be supportive, you know, as far as our family and our siblings. I think that we grew up, you know, having that friendship, having that bond, you know, but I know that we're not as close as we were or how we want to be. But I think, you know, I'm still grateful for the fact that if I ever need anything, I know that, you know, I can call you guys and that they'll be there. I think as far as my least favorite thing, um, (laughs) she's like, I'm she's like, I'm ready to go in there. She's like, okay, now let's move on to the least favorite thing. She's like mushy for a second. (laughs) I think, uh, I think my least favorite thing is the comparison that a lot of people tend to do. I think that especially being, I think a middle child, well, obviously to you, um, there was Mm -hmm. a lot of expectations or bars kind of already set and that's kind of a continuing like continuous goal that you're trying to chase I guess and I don't think that that's really put on by certain people as far as like within our family but I think it's more of a personal thing of finding yourself constantly trying to meet someone else's bar or standard however I've learned that that's not the case and I've kind of you know, dug myself in a hole there by doing so. But I think that that's my, that that might be what a lot of, especially I think middle child might feel like, you know, just because that's usually what's brought up in conversations is older siblings or younger siblings, you know, the baby or the older one and kind of being the middle one, you know, always kind of feeling like, you know, I'm not the baby anymore. I'm not kind of the spoiled or always, you know, the attention one, but I'm also not the first one who kind of set those bars and, and, and whatnot. So I think it's easy to get forgotten, but at the same time, I think a lot of that just came from my own personal doubts and feelings about myself. Yes. People always say that the middle children get forgotten. And honestly, seeing that my friends and people around that are middle children, it seems to be a common pattern, which is really interesting of the way like that society has that set up and why that happens. But I guess it does. Steph, you're the oldest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're both the oldest. We both are on that same. Do you feel like coming from the oldest of your family and your siblings, like that you had that, I guess, that pressure and expectation of setting the bar? Yeah, for sure. That's like a thing. I think even more so in like immigrant household, like BIPOC households. I don't know. Oh, I yeah. feel like it's emphasized, like you're given a lot more responsibility as the oldest, like unnecessary responsibility. And at the same time, I feel like, I don't know if you're the same, but kind of like in a way like we helped raise our siblings Mm -hmm. and no offense princess I don't know what your relationship is like (laughs) but I know damn well my siblings weren't grateful for all the shit I did for them and so sometimes that's like you know I do all this but they don't appreciate it enough and so I don't know as I've gotten older I'm kind of like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna let them make their own mistakes and fuck up and they know where to find me if they need me. But at the same time, like as the oldest sibling, like I'm always going to want to care for them. I'm always going to want to help them and like protect them because they're my, you know, younger siblings. I don't know. It's like a pack. Mm-hmm. It's your pack. You got to take care of them. Mm-hmm. But for sure, I felt 
pressure and stress being the oldest like even when I finished college like all eyes were on me you know like what's Stephanie gonna do now what's Stephanie gonna do next like if Stephanie can do it you can do it kind of thing but also like well Stephanie did it so when are you gonna do it kind of thing and I and I hate that I really hate the comparisons because everybody should be on their own journey no matter what where they are in the family spectrum but it's it's hard because it's almost like the fam your parents want to your parents or your family want to create like healthy competition but it's not very healthy it's kind of toxic yeah yeah, it can get it can get really toxic for sure. That being said, again, guys, if you didn't know, this is Evelyn's sister. I feel like you can tell they're related. The voices kind of sound the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Princess? Sure. Okay. So yeah, obviously, my name's Princess. I'm 23 years old. I grew up in Rose Park. I attended Metal Arc Elementary Northwest and then graduated from West High in 2016. And it was really all I knew, right? Like, I think a lot of us kind of come from that same thing where we grow up in an environment where maybe our parents did or that, you know, our friends did. And and you kind of create like what Stephanie said earlier, kind of a pack, um, you know, whether that's through friendships or family or anything like that. And so growing up, I wanted to, I guess I didn't really know what I wanted out of life, you know, who I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. I always felt like I was kind of the black sheep, whether that was a family or friends or, you know, just certain groups or whatever it may be. So I was constantly, again, like searching for acceptance through for myself through, you know, other things. And although that it, it helped a lot for me to be constantly on the go, you know, I was involved in a lot of programs. I did everything from, you know, youth works, to youth city to american red cross to the boys and girls club to salt lake city police you know explorers to i mean anything that you name avid i i did it all you know kind of just constantly searching like for what was i guess my thing or what was it that resonated with me that made me feel like i was a part of something that made me feel comfortable and at home or at peace or you know so forth and so growing up like i said i i constantly was involved searching for something and it led me to a lot of great people a lot of great opportunities but it also led me to this idea that I needed to grow up fast you know I I felt like time was just constantly going and that if I didn't start soon as a young adult as a teenager that I was going to get left behind or that I was going to be stuck in a position that I couldn't get myself out of so again I did a lot of worrying about the future and didn't practice a lot of mindfulness and just thinking about what am I doing in the moment? What am I needing in the moment? And so that's kind of led me to transition to what I do now and, you know, has helped me kind of decided that I feel best in my own skin. I feel best in who I am by helping others and being a part of my community and helping those that you know, may not know how to get there or may struggle with asking for help because that's exactly how I was and even how I am. It's a continuous progress. It's still something that I'm currently working on, but then I'm growing every day and that I have this goal and now mindset that has shifted from, you know, how I was maybe even just a year ago or even last week that it's helped me become the person I am today so that I can also help others. You're so eloquent <laughs> with your wordy. <laughs> if I didn't know you and Evelyn were siblings, I would have been like, something's up because they even be sounding the same too in their <laughs> words and their thoughts. <laughs> the South See, that's girls. funny. To quickly give a picture of what Princess was like growing up on my side, just really quick. <laughs> is, <laughs> not like in a bad way. But just to kind of like give a little bit more background to that was Princess was definitely a black sheep. She was very introverted growing up, super, super quiet. I don't even know if shy is the right word. She was just introverted. She liked to keep to herself. She observed mm -hmm. everything um, and didn't always speak up. So like she saw everything but didn't say anything all the time. And I think it was because maybe she just thought that what she would say wasn't going to be taken or like, what's the point or, you know, whatever, maybe it wasn't her business. And so watching her kind of like blossom through these last like five years, I would really say is to see her like kind of grow more comfortable in her skin to be able to speak eloquently like that. Like she always has been, but she always kind of like, I feel like you always doubted yourself in a lot of ways, but that's kind of, I mean, you may, you may still, because you're human, but 
I feel like you've definitely grown from what you used to be as like obviously a kid. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Cindy was kind of the same way. Yeah, actually, I with Cindy because Cindy graduated. Is she the same age as Princess? What year did Cindy graduate? Cindy graduated in 2015, but she, Cindy was born in 97. Were you born in 97, Princess? Yeah, my birthday's just in October, so I graduated oh. in 2016. Okay, yeah, Cindy turns. Cindy actually turned 24 on uh, this past Monday. Okay, so yeah, so Princess turns 24 this year. So they were the same age, basically. And I remember Cindy you know, middle and middle very... and, and yeah, the middle children <laughs> in the family. It's a middle children thing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was gonna ask Princess just so like, you know, for the conchitas and everything and for myself, because I don't really know. Do you remember the Cortez family? Do you remember Stephanie and all her siblings from the club? I do a bit, which is kind of weird because I remember a lot about the club. Like, I mean, you know, Evelyn, we have pretty good memory, you know, like mm-hmm. we're, we're able to remember something we were wearing or eating 10 years ago in a specific moment. We'll be like almost like we have Bluetooth on, like we know exactly what's coming next of what we're mm-hmm. going to say we're talking about memory or something. But I, I do briefly, but I, I don't think I remember like fully like conversations or, you know, certain uh, times mm-hmm. that we hung out, but I do remember being in the same area and, you know, things like that. If I'm honest, I, I rarely had interactions with Princess or um, yeah. Chris. Mm-hmm. They were mostly with you, Evelyn, but that's because we were like the same age. Right. Which is like, I feel like your siblings and my younger siblings interacted with each other, but not as much, you know? Yeah. I don't know. You know, everybody was doing their own thing. Like people think like, yeah, the club was like the club and it was its thing. But also people were involved doing their own thing in the club. So Mm -hmm. moving on, going back to what you were saying, Princess, I feel like that's a good segue into the next question we had here for you. So can you tell us a little bit more about what your job entails? Sure. Yeah. So I am a transitional coordinator and aftercare specialist at a residential boys group home from the ages of 13 to 18. They are actually from all over the place. Um, So they're from all over the U.S. and they get either dropped off or transported to us for various reasons, whether it's for suicidal tendency, you know, depression, anxiety, drug use, family, you know, relationship issues, adoption, just I mean, it's very wide range. And so that's kind of what I do. How I ended up there is that I started as a floor staff, just as a regular coach that I'd help the boys, you know, their everyday activities, hang out with them, talk with them, um, help them do their chores, do laundry, do, you know, certain things like that. Coach them, I guess, through everyday life and responsibilities, which was great. You know, it gave me a lot of interactions with them that I was able to learn their personalities and who they are. And a lot of that happened through playing basketball or playing chess or drawing or listening to music or, you know, things like that, that felt just, you know, really natural. And of course it didn't happen right away. It, there was a lot of trust that needed to be be built there and whatnot, but for the most part, you know, once you kind of give a listening ear that they were willing to speak up and, and talk. And so I, you know, I did really well in that. And so then I became a swing shift manager, which was a lot more difficult because there was a lot of responsibility and liability to it. You know, I'm not a very big person. I'm only 5'3", and, you know, I'm, I'm a girl, one of the only girls who, who work, you know, at my job. And, and, but I realized that I didn't need to be, you know, big and scary and have a deep voice or things like that. What I learned was that I got that position, and really the boys led me into that position because of how well I was able to, you know, get along with them, how well they were able to listen to me because I respected them and because, you know, I was listening to them too and respected them. And, and for the most part, you know, held myself accountable to do when I knew that I messed up or that I didn't follow through with something that I might have said, because I am in charge of, you know, 16 boys at once that I did pull them aside and say, Hey, like, I understand that, you know, I didn't follow through with what I said I was going to do, or, Hey, like, I'm, I, I'm really sorry this happened. I take full accountability and I hope that we can be okay. I mean, just even that itself went a long way as far as, you know, my relationship with, with these boys and it helped me become a better leader. It helped me become a good manager, you know, for the shift. It helped me become, you know, just someone that they could come to. But that being said, I also had to 
set boundaries and I also have had to hold them accountable. And sometimes that didn't come easy. And sometimes that did create, you know, some tension or some issues where they did blow up and, you know, whether they ran away or they fought back or things like that. And, and that's totally natural and okay too. You know, I, I understood that that was part of it and, and accepted that. And so after that, I then became a transitional coordinator where I started participating in their family therapy sessions with their therapists and, and their parents. From there, we would kind of create a game plan of how the transition home was going to look like, whether that was getting them a therapist at home, whether it was getting them, you know, the proper medication, you know, what commitments were they willing to make, what boundaries did the parents need to hold for, you know, the safety and sanity of their household, things like that, and work through that to me kind of a compromise. Um, the great thing about where I work is that it's not just, okay, the kid, everything's your fault, right? Like the parents have to be willing to be accountable for what they did and also work through it and have their own homework and have their own kind of individual treatment that they need to learn from and be willing to, you know, meet the kid where they're at as well. And that makes me incredibly happy when we're able to make compromises and we are able to meet in the middle and sometimes there's not that's not the case and that's totally fine there's going to be that but as much as we can you know it's it's great to see the progress that both sides from the parents and from the kids have when being able you know to communicate uh, productively and speak their feelings and give their reasonings and and whatnot so I do that and then I'm also an aftercare specialist and so what that means is when they graduate the program and they go back home whether that's in Chicago or California or New York or wherever it may be, I still work with them for three months afterwards. I have individual sessions with the parents and I have the individual session with the client once a week. And we basically process through the week, talk about what happened, talk about how, you know, whether it's preventative strategies, whether it's going back and looking in our journal, you know, trying to use whatever therapeutical tools or skills that they've learned and start implementing them and really just be there as a support system for them. Although I am, you know, thousands of miles away, there's so much that comes from just having a phone call, from having a conversation, and from having, you know, also that conversation with the parents as well, and reminding them of the tools, of the skills that they've learned. And so I do that, and a lot of them usually tend to extend, you know, after the three months, and want to do four or five months. And so it's really just kind of all over the place. So I still work with the boys that are currently in treatment. I work with boys transitioning out and I also work with the boys that are out of treatment now. What do you think of that, Stephanie? <laughs> She's a fucking badass, man. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot, but but I absolutely love it. She said a whole bunch of words. Some of the words <laughs> I did not understand. Sorry. <laughs> but I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Tell me Sorry. more. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mouthful for sure but a good one yeah 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 you you're very um you're very educated in what you're doing you're very you, you know what the fuck you're doing I clearly do not because I was like what is that <laughs> yeah and the thing is I feel like a lot of people don't realize these places exist and Utah is actually one of the biggest states in the U.S. that has a lot of these types of facilities here uh mm -hmm. dave actually you know who we just recorded with dave went to one of those facilities yeah what? you know but i'll say that not all of them are great utah is definitely yeah, no. known for for being you know one of the higher states to have them can i you know <laughs> talk about or give confirmation that those other places do well or things like that i don't know all i do know is that who I do work for, I absolutely love them. And there is no judgment in my, in my mind that, you know, if I didn't believe what we were doing was good, that, you know, I wouldn't be there. So I'm happy to be a part of, a part of their team. Well, I wanted to ask the part of though, is there anything like, like what that you don't like about your job? You know, I guess it's not what I don't like about it. I guess it's more of the hardest part of my job. And that's, not isn't it's a it's a little difficult it's it's not getting so personally invested I guess what you mm. can say because that gets really messy really fast you know um you need to be able to hold appropriate boundaries for yourself to not get caught up in whether it's manipulation or whether it's inappropriate 
you know, conversations or sharing things about yourself that could be used against you later on. There's a lot of self-control that comes with this job and with this field. And so a lot of the times before I have any interaction, I have any dialogue or conversations, I need to ask myself and think, is what I'm about to say or do going to benefit their treatment? If it's not, then I need to keep it to myself, even though I feel it might personally help them, you have to still have obviously that professionalism and and things like that. So there's a lot of people who believe in tough love. And I'm also one of them. But I also know that I work for a company that has certain protocols and things like that. And it may not be my first choice. But I know that, uh, again, that it's there for the safety and, you know, for for both parties for families for things like that and so again I think it's not more that I don't like it I think it's just that it it is difficult and I think it's what makes being in this field really hard and what makes it you know such an there's such a high turnover rate within it because I think people tend to think that it's easier than what it is when really it's so easy to get caught up personally you know invested in in these boys and of course we want to invest in them but also make sure that we're keeping those appropriate and safe boundaries. Do you feel like growing up as a boys and girls club kid helped you connect with the boys in your group home? I, I think it did. I mean, obviously you knew how I was growing up. I don't think I really started being quote unquote girly and wearing makeup and stuff like that. till you know, maybe sophomore year in high school, but I think it was more of just growing up with a bunch of different kinds of people, right? Having that diversity. I think it was from playing soccer with boys to, you know, having interaction with girls or, you know, growing up on the teen side when I was supposed to be a junior because my maturity level was like a teen and stuff like that. So I think overall, everything that I've done up to now has been apart or impacted me in a way that has contributed to who I am now I guess that's what I can say so yeah definitely the boys and girls club um I think the boys and girls club is what started my like wanting to volunteer and stuff like that you know yeah. from kids cafe to partners in the park to things like that it just it made me happy it made me feel a part of something because when you were talking about how you know you connect with these boys like when you were floor staff like through playing chess or playing basketball or doing stuff that really reminded me of connecting with the staff at the club. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. you would get to know them on a personal level through these activities. And like, there's a lot of people and, you know, in any teens or kids, whatever, outside the club or in the club that, you know, someone could be like, guys, like, let's play, let's play a game. Let's play some basketball. Let's play something. And kids could be like, that's lame. I don't want to do that. No, you know, but then building that, I guess that trust and that relationship where they're like, Oh, you know what? Like, okay, like I'll try this out for you and stuff like that. You know, I feel like that we saw that a lot in the, um, well, I think what I think is a big part of it is with the connection is representation too. So I may not be a boy, right? Like I'm a girl. And of course, like I said, it takes a a little while before they even want to like start engaging or things like that. And that's totally fine. I think it comes down to them thinking like, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what it's like. You don't know mm-hmm. whatever, you know. And then I think my age helps a lot because, you know, I am 23 and some of these boys are, you know, I, I mean, I graduated high school like, what, four years ago? Like it, five years ago? It oh wasn't my that God. Ago, you know what I mean? And so it's like, it ha- I mean, things have changed. Me and Evelyn was like six years now. ago. Seven, actually. And so, ah, and so you know, I'm able to relate to them on music or sometimes when they say a certain slang and I'm like uh you can't get away with that because I know exactly what that means you know what I mean like there's just little things like that where they're like oh like she knows what I'm talking about or she knows what it's like or things like that and again like some of that comes with time but I think again that the representation you know like just them willing to hear me out and hear my story and not only that but like having having tattoos or having piercings or things like that obviously Evelyn you know that I went and got a basement tattoo when I was like 16 you know that was a dumb decision because I absolutely hate it and I totally bled like crazy but that was a dumb mistake that you know I'm not alone in that and neither are they you know so we were able to connect on a lot of different ways like I said growing up I did a lot of I made a lot of choices and a lot of decisions that I knew were wrong 
but I still did them anyway, (laughs) you know, but I still did them anyway. You know what I mean? And so I think that representation of them willing to hear someone else and be like, oh, like maybe you do know what it's like. Maybe not exactly, but you have sympathy for me or empathy for me. That goes all the way through. Also, I feel like because, I mean, a lot of these boys are like, they come from wealthy families and are white and stuff, but I feel like you being a person of color and being like, no, 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 no. You can tell you share your story and you can be like, wait, wait, hold on. Like, don't tell me I didn't have it hard because I grew up in what people consider quote unquote the hood. We grew up in in Rose Park, but we also grew up in Glendale because of the club. And so people would be like, oh, that's like, yeah, the ghetto, the dangerous, whatever. And so I Mm -hmm. feel like that you growing up in that standpoint also has an impact and effect to be like, wait, 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 like kind of put these kids in their place sometimes, you know? That is correct. But again, this is again, like this is some of the stuff that I had to learn because that's exactly how I thought too. I mean, I had that same mm-hmm. mentality. But I also realized that we are so prone to having a what's called a one up mentality of, well, I had it harder than you. Well, I didn't have this or I had that or things like that. And again, like that's kind of some of the tough love that I was talking about. But from a therapeutical standpoint, too you know, wanting to validate someone's struggle, no matter what it is, you know, and and not having Mm -hmm. that comparison. Although sure, there might be some positive contributions to it. But also, again, like what negatives come with that too? What cons come with that too? You know what I mean? So it did take me a long time to kind of shift my mentality from thinking, well, you guys have it all and whatever but I also worked with a lot of families and a lot of kids who do come from you know wealthy kind of standpoints and things like that but have absolutely no family relationship and they are depressed and they do hate themselves and you know it was really humbling and eye-opening for me again seeing things from the other view because there was so much that I picked point and saying like oh, it was my environment and this, that, and the other and whatever. But it really comes down to so much more than that. There's so many variables to why someone is the way that they are, right? Nobody's the same. And I had to really stop myself and think like, whether my struggle was quote unquote harder or not, it's not my place to tell them you should be grateful or you should, you know, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I have to refrain from using those you statements and more focusing on, this is how I'm feeling. Can you express yours? And can we find a commonality? Can we find something that we relate with? And can we move forward together? Right. Rather than it's me and you versus the problem versus the issue than it is me versus you. Right. And then not even addressing the issue. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely something then that a lot of people would have a hard time doing, I guess. Yeah. Uh I think, I think that also paints a perfect picture for the next question that we had here for you. Like how does our environment affect us and our youth? Yeah, I mean, you've been kind of touching on it, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, environment plays a huge part, especially when there is lack of resources, lack of, you know, emotional, you know, needs, a a lack of, you know, just support systems or resources for school or things like that. I mean, there's so again, there's so much that comes into play with it. But again, I also know that there's another side of it, that there is accountability and there is you know mentality and I think for a lot of us we get so stuck and focused on what we can't control and kind of you know throw in the towel before giving some things a shot but I also know that there's a lot that the world offers and I think a lot of it just comes with trying new things you know constantly going and and giving yourself the time and breaks and things like that so one thing that growing up I was always like I always, I guess, put the blame on other things, right? Like I am the way I am because of my environment. I am the way I am because of my parents or I am the way I am because of whatever without realizing that there's a lot more to that, right? You can have, let's say my youngest brother in in our family, right? We saw a lot of things growing up that weren't healthy and weren't good. And I fell into that, right? I fell into starting to drink young. I started drinking at 13, you know, into doing drugs, into doing that stuff. But my same brother who grew up in the same environment as, as me, as my parents, as my siblings decided, I saw those same things and decided not to do it because I didn't want that, right? So there's 
a lot of there's a lot more that comes into play outside of the environment and of course environment is a huge part of it but something that I've learned well I guess before I I move on any further I just want to say that anything that I share or say is kind of just a collection of everything that I've learned from mentors and people and bosses and just my own individual experiences and things like that and so you know something that I've learned is that it's much more than our environment plus our choices equal our outcome it's also our environment plus our choices plus our biology that equals our outcome and I think that is an important part that a lot of us tend to miss is our biology and so someone who is more prone to have you know the tendency to drink or have high tolerance or things like that you know compared to their friend who may maybe grew up in the same environment but doesn't have that your outcome would be different even if you make the same choice right someone who Mm -hmm. uh, you know gets drunk off of three beers while someone gets drunk off of 10 exact or gets drunk off the same amount of beers but their biology is different right so one of them may be okay but the other might you know, go behind a wheel and thinking they're okay, and then they're not. So I think there's an important part of the biology and scientific part behind it. And that's why it's so important to have a doctor, have a family doctor, have, you know, learn about your, your history, learn about where your, you know, your family, you know, and, and what they have and things like that. And I think that's an important part, again, that a lot of us tend to skip or miss. And that that is a huge part of the equation of how, our outcome, you know, comes out to be. It is really fascinating that, and Stephanie, you could probably say this for yourself too, but like that you have, you know, all siblings grow up under the same household with the same parents and everything. And we all turn out different from each other, you know? I think we're definitely like different personality wise and all that. But I think me and my siblings share like similar attributes. Like we're all very ambitious we are all kind of like daydreamers you know like we we have our goals and aspirations that we want to accomplish like we know we're I, I, it's, it's not to sound egotistical or narcissistic but we know that we're more than what we are right now if that makes sense like mm-hmm. it can only like get better from more. here yeah there you go and like I think it's kind of like what Princess was saying like our environment and the people and the support system that we've had and this is like based off my entire life right this is like teachers uh, mentors organizations and stuff that I've been a part of that where you know people believed in me and so that's changed my perspective about myself knowing what I'm capable of yeah I would say me and my siblings are different personality wise but there are similarities that we have in terms of like different assets and I don't know yeah. there's similarities and differences but at this but again I like like Princess was saying I think it depends on like the environment where you are where you're situated but you know that's us being blessed to have certain resources and stuff available to us some not everybody has that but I also think you kind of make do with what your situation you can choose whether or not you want to move forward with it despite your environment but then again like everybody's environment is different yeah that's what I was trying to say is that you know we can grow up in the same environment or, or again but I think if the focus can shift from, again, what we can't really control to what we can control and what resources we have and what support we have, then the outcome can definitely be different. But I think especially for kids and for teenagers, that support needs to also come from, from you know, teachers and parents and things like that so that those opportunities are at least then available, right? Like that's that's the main key is at least having those opportunities and those resources available for you know kids and teenagers to have the choice to you know use them and exhaust them and and things like that but once those resources are completely taken out of the picture and aren't available that's when it's definitely your environment is going to be 100 percent you know solely of what your outcome will be but as long as that is out there and and applicable for anybody and things like that and that's why it's so important you know uh, eventually my goal in life is definitely to just bring, you know, those resources to the West side, you know, into my community that I grew up in and have my own kind of non-profit, nonprofit organization and, and um, kind of program, you know, on the West side so that, because it is a lot harder um, and it is a lot harder to obtain, of course. And so I think that there's a lot of people out there who are willing to be helping hands. And I think there's a lot of people out there willing to take that hand as well. It's just, 
networking and finding those connections and again having them available and and open for anybody to grab uh so princess do you feel like your work affects your own mental health and like how do you deal with that it for sure does and like i said the way i deal with it best is just holding those boundaries and understanding that i am just a part of someone's journey and i'm not the whole equation you know i have to also be able to take a step back and exactly what you were saying earlier stephanie about your siblings of uh, being able to take the passenger seat and realize i'm on the sidelines cheering on and not the one in the game so there's a lot of times where i put a lot of energy a lot of time into working with an individual you know boy and their family you know for six ten months to a year and then you know, it kind of all collapses the next month. And and I have to realize that that's just a part of their journey and that it's nothing personally to what I did or didn't do and things like that. That took a long time for me because I felt like I needed to fix people when that is not the case. I'm not trying to fix anybody. I think everybody has their own personalities and their own goals and their own contributions to themselves that make them unique. And I just have to understand I have to be willing to roll with whatever punches that they have and, and, uh, you know, just be there as that support system, but not again, the one in the game or driving, driving the car. There have been times, you know, where my boss has pulled me in and he can just know that I'm getting overwhelmed and I'm tired. There's one particular time I was going through a really rough time. And he told me, he said, you know what, take the next three days off and, you know, paid for it and do whatever you need to do. If you need to go home and cry three days, go do that. If you need to go drive and just keep driving and end up in a different state, go do that. If you need to go work out, punch someone, whatever it is that you need to do, go figure it out because you cannot help others if you are not okay yourself. And I was like, well, what? <laughs> like, first of all, I've never had a boss tell me that or give me an opportunity like that. But I will tell you, missing three days that at first I felt terrible for because I wasn't there and I felt like I wasn't helping. But when I came back, I came back stronger. And I guarantee that those three days were worth it because I was coming back in a better mindset, in a better position, in a better place so that I can help in a better way, better and more productive way than I would have, you know, kind of just sticking through it and feeling miserable and stuff. So I feel like this is where Stephanie would say period. Oh, okay. Period. <laughs> I I told Stephanie a long time ago. Stephanie used to say that all the time to people, like on the podcast, and I'd be like, I hate when you say period. I've been, <laughs> you I've been trying. I've been trying to be good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I was like, you know what, though that that was one of those moments that was like deserved a period. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me redo it. Let me redo it. <laughs> now I'm nervous. <clears throat> period queen (laughs) (laughs) okay so princess so what can we do to help our teenagers our kids like what resources are there to help them and what advice could you give like anyone like a parent or a friend or a staff yeah I think that there's a lot of resources available I mean we live in an age where like we literally have education and just you know information by the snap of our fingers right at the tip of our fingers on our phones on youtube on google on you know talking to people whatever it is i think putting your own kind of ego and thought and pride aside and being willing to listen to others and you know hear different walks of paths of life and things like that is the one of the greatest ways to learn you know also through natural consequences again allowing yourself to take a step back and realize that you know that it's not always going to be about what you did or didn't do but that a person is still going to make a choice no matter what right and they have to be the one to you know learn from that whether it's positively or negatively but either way I think any mistake made still leads to a lesson learned and a a positive outcome as far as I think some points to make as to you know parents or anybody wanting to like help or things like that again like by no means am I trying to you know, say that I know it all or anything like that, that this is just some things that I've learned that have helped me to better relate to whoever I'm trying to work with or things like that, or get, you know, a closer relationship and whatnot. One of the biggest things I think is validating someone's feelings, you know, and learning how to communicate productively. I think a lot of times we get into this power struggle, again, of who's right, who's wrong, who had it worse, who, you know, whatever, rather than talking solution-based. I think another thing is making it a focus to point out more positives than negatives. I think when 
that doesn't happen, then positives kind of become an expectation and lose a sense of value or motivation. So then whenever parents or, you know, siblings or teachers are only pointing out the negatives, then that's all that they're hearing. It's just those negatives. And so I think it's vice versa, you know, for teens or for parents or for teachers or whatever is to validate and have those open communication, even if it's something small. Um, You know, I like the way that you did that, or I appreciate you washing that dish, like whatever it is, like that goes a long way. You know, even if they're not responding to it, I would rather make sure that, you know, they're validated and know that they, they're loved and supported than, than not saying anything at all and then questioning it. I think it's easy to resort back to natural tendencies. So I think that if when, if you're listening to understand rather than listening to respond, that goes a long way too. I think if you're able to step back and think about how can I respond rather than react to whatever is happening or whatever is being said is huge. That again, takes a lot of self-control. And a lot of this is skill-based. Like a lot of this comes with practice and consistency. And so it's not supposed to feel natural right off the bat. Like a lot of this feels awkward and that's okay. Cause that means that you're growing and you're learning and you're doing something different and something new. I think the other thing is to remember that especially anger is a secondary emotion. You know, nobody is just angry, right? And so a lot of the times we react based off the behavior rather than maybe what's it coming from, you know, whether that's fear or guilt or sadness, whatever it is. And that comes with giving space when needed and also communicating that, you know, um, when it is appropriate. So I think a lot of that definitely helps, again, validating, communicating productively. You know, one thing, that I was always told, especially by my mo- by my boss, is that change is inevitable, but growth is, in- is intentional. So, you know, things are going to constantly be changing. And that's scary for anyone, whether you're an adult, whether you're a teen, you're a kid. And the fact that, you know, there, again, there's so many resources and things available, especially getting involved, that's going to help a lot, you know, and learning from different types of people is, is going to go a long way as far as humbling yourself, you know, learning what else is out there, networking, um, getting opportunities and so forth. But overall, I think it comes from validation and communicating. And I never knew that there was ways to do that. Like I was never taught or told how to talk to someone until I, you know, really got this job at 21 years old. And now, you know, I take that home with me and I try to use it with my family, with my friends. And I've seen the outcome that it's had, you know, and so something that I express to the boys a lot is that, hey, I'm an adult using these exact same tools and skills as you. And it's hard. It's hard as shit, you know, but I'm trying to change. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to change so that, you know, my family can be different, things like that. And so I think those are some points that are super helpful. But again, there's so much resources out there. And also the fact of their, you know, I tried going to therapy when I was a teenager and my initial thought was, you know, like, fuck you. Like, I can't even talk to my parents. Why do you think I'm going to talk to you? Like, you just have a piece of paper. You can't, you know, learn my struggles sort of thing. But, you know, I realized that we all have issues and we all have some things that, you know, we need kind of help categorizing and learning why or if, you know, what what's going on. And so I think everybody could use a little bit of therapy. And again, having that resource available, you know, I think goes a long way and, and everybody's therapeutical journey looks different. Some people, it may be in an office, you know, with another individual, some people, it may be through sport. Some people it may be through, you know, driving a car, whatever it is. I think if we can find something that resonates with us and gives us that peace of mind, we'll also help you in the future. But those are just some of my main points. I know that was kind of a lot, my bad, but I, I can keep going just, like, those on are just and on some. and on. Like I have a lot, but those are some <laughs> of the main points that, that come to my mind. She's the expert, dude. I don't think we can add to that. I know. I love it. I freaking love it. I am. I think I'm going to just kind of point out, like, give people more positive feedback, even if it's for small things that you may think are stupid or that they don't really care about. Like, I love it when people, you just be nice, you know, mm-hmm. little compliments, compliments right. how good they did the year. Yeah. Whether it's friendships, relationships, parents, like whatever it is, like, I think speaking on the value of a person now when they are doing well, when they are doing good, because then when it gets to when something 
is wrong or maybe that you want to give them some constructive feedback, it's really hard to take that in when you feel like you're being attacked or that you feel like that's the main idea of you, you know, their perspective, things like that. So whatever kind of relationship it is, I think it's important that we speak on how much we love and care about people now, which I know, again, I'm working on because I have a hard time doing that, but I'm Mm -hmm. working on it. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do that more because I don't, I don't want it to come to the day where I can't do that. So yeah. And the other thing is uh, just that everyone can benefit from therapy and there's nothing wrong with going to to therapy. There's nothing wrong. Uh, And again, everybody's therapeutical journey looks different and that we can all learn something from someone, whether it's a 90 90 year old person or a five year old, whether it's compassion mm -hmm. or, you know, actual kind of skills, like whatever it is, we as long as we're open-minded and compassionate and have empathy towards one another, it's amazing the type of growth and education you can get that is not taught in like schools and things like that. And again, that comes with consistency, that comes with boundary setting, that comes with healthy communication that takes time and effort. And the hard thing to do is usually the right thing to do, you know, and, and if you're willing to put that relationship forth, again, that's another great point is if parents or kids or teachers or whatever can put relationships first and just think like, what can I do to just benefit the relationship right now in the moment? You know, what do I need to do starting right now? Do I need to apologize? Do I need a break? You know, that kind of stuff helps the relationship. A ton. All I was going to say is like, and it sucks that you have, I have to say it now, but like, because the question was like, you know, what can we do to help our teens? <sighs> I'm pretty sure all of us <laughs> in our 20s 30s 40s like we all know how hard it was to be a teen like figuring out who you are figuring mm-hmm. out who you can talk to despite how many probably friends you had despite what you had available it's i don't know what it is but it's something about being in your teens that you feel so lonely mm-hmm. and that you feel like you're not understood and that nobody's there for you nobody really knows what it's like to be you and i get that i still feel like that sometimes but I would just encourage us adults, quote unquote adults, to like Princess and Evelyn said, like be a little bit more empathetic towards that teen. Like if they're going through a rebellious stage, if they're acting out, if they're doing something, 99% of the time, there's something else going underneath that layer. There's something else going on and you're only seeing surface level shit. Um, yep. So just be sympathetic be just be try try to be open-minded and have an open heart and approach the situation as best you can it's very possible that they're not gonna this teen is probably not gonna open up to you right away and i'm gonna tell you what's really going on but the fact that you're you are willing to listen to them and willing to validate their emotions and willing to validate that they needed a space it it will go a long way to the point where eventually like they will open up once they feel more comfortable but just I I would just say like picture yourself as a teen you know what it was like and these these kids are just figuring it out too and we're still all figuring it out but it's better we just it's gonna sound so mushy but it's better if you just (laughs) go about it in a more sensitive manner because they're, it's kid, they're kids at the end of the day they're kids yep exactly and they need to be able to feel whatever it is that they're feeling which actually leads me to one more point that's probably the most important and i'm glad that you kind of sparked it in me is that we cannot tell other people what to think feel or believe and i see that happen a lot when it comes to especially with like parents and teens or teachers or whatever it is is that we have this idea of who we want as our kids or as our you know siblings or as our students or whatever but that we just have to work with and love and be grateful for who we have you know and that they are going to learn their own path and that they are going to have to kind of figure that stuff out for themselves of what they think feel or believe you know I think you could put structure and again boundaries around it and things like that but really ultimately it's up to them to decide you know what what they want or what they what they want to be and especially as a teenager it's so confusing that 
there's going to be trial and error. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be flaws. And that's totally natural that, you know, again, like you guys said, we're human, you know, we're not robots and whatever. And accountability as a parent or as a teacher, as a coach, as a mentor, whatever goes a long way too, because exactly that we're human and we're not perfect. So if a kid can hear an adult say, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. You know, sorry. I lashed out. Sorry. I didn't communicate, you know, with you, right. Sorry. I didn't give you your space or, Hey, I overreacted, whatever it is. That is huge too, because that speaks, you know, volumes that again, there's not that power struggle. There's not that I'm better than you, or there's not that you just have to do something because I'm the parent or you're the kid or because I say so, you know, there's it's that. Like we're equal. Yeah. We're equal. And we're figuring this stuff out called life together. Well, that wraps up the episode. Thank you so much to Princess for joining us. I'm going to give her a chance to shout out her social media accounts if you want to follow her. All right, guys. I'm always an opening ear or willing to listen and willing to help in any way I can, whether it's through, you know, resume building, listening, or, you know, just having someone to talk to or grab a coffee with. I'm always available and, and, and always willing to meet new people and, and hear you guys out and, and build some partnerships and, you know, have some good relationships. So you can catch me on Instagram at xo.co, xio underscore two times, or I'm on Facebook under Princess Alazar. Either way, just hit me up and yeah, let's talk. Awesome. And don't forget to follow us on our social media pages to be up to date on what we have going on on the Self Conscious podcast, such as who our guests will be on upcoming episodes, podcast collabs, small business highlights, announcements, and so much more. Our Instagram page is Self Conscious Podcast, and our Twitter account is at Conscious Podcast. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Like always, I hope you resonated with the episode, learned something from it. If you liked the episode, go ahead and subscribe to the Self Conscious Podcast. We are available on all your favorite podcasting apps. And make sure that when you leave us a rating, also leave us a review. It helps to spread the word. And while you're at it, man, just well, share the episode with a friend or family member. The more listeners, the better. We post new episodes every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Eso es todo por hoy. Evelyn and I will see you all next week for a whole new episode. Until then, have a good one, Conchitas. And I do want to say real quick, uh, as Princess, as my little sister, I am extremely proud of you and the woman who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go cry. Thanks. <laughs> Stephanie's like, wow. All right, Conchitas. I don't do well and her- but okay. Yeah, she, yeah, that's something she has to work with. But anyways, Conchitas. Anyways, Conchitas. Remember, don't be so self-conscious like Princess is right now. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Bye.